listening to Cinema Spin. Hello, everybody. I am Matt, and I am Jason, and welcome to a bonus episode of Cinema Spin. A bonus. It episode. wasn't supposed to even happen. No, we were supposed it was to take not the weekend to totally off, but uh, right here we are recording a bonus content. Remember last week when you were fantasizing about having a week off? <laughs> I really wasn't though. <laughs> and now, you, and now we've watched. I just was like, oh, I don't know. You know, spoiler alert: we've actually watched ten hours of movie worth, worth of movie for <laughs> we this have. week. I uh, I thought that, um, you know, this is a good opportunity to take some time off if if we we were and you were going to be out of town and that didn't work out, obviously. Right, yeah, yeah. So, um, right, that's a good point. We're right back at it. Right. We're right back at it. You know, and when you look back at the history of it, it's not like you've taken so many weeks off. You you went you took a trip for two weeks and that's That's true. That's the only two weeks you've taken off. That's true. I also, I also am a workaholic. Absolutely. You and I, we're like Alanis Morissette in a lot of we're, ways. We're often, <laughs> often accused of working too much. That's true. I, I can't tell you how many times people have said to me, whoa, slow down. So, uh, But uh, the first topic at hand tonight is, uh, well, the topic on this particular yes, piece on of this bonus one, content, right? is uh, HBO documentary came out about a week ago called Jagged. And uh, what's that about, Jason? Well, uh, Jagged, uh, this year marks the 25th anniversary of Alanis Morissette's album, Jagged Little Pill. Uh, that stands out as one of the most important and successful albums of all time, arguably, and certainly one of the defining, certainly one of the defining musical moments of the 1990s. Um, in the documentary, uh, filmmaker Allison Clayman lets her lets the artist speak for herself as she recounts the very messy details of her life as a teen pop pop phenomenon in her, na- in her native Canada um, in the years prior to Jagged Little Pill, and how she struggled with industry pressure, an eating disorder, sexual abuse, and a general lack of guidance and protection, and how she fought later on for mainstream success in the U.S. in ways that made her afraid that she was washed up before she was done being a teenager. Um, All of this culminates uh, with the help of uh, producer Glenn Ballard in the 1995 masterpiece, Jagged Little Pill. Um, So what did you make of... uh, uh, first of all, what do you what do you think of Jagged Little Pill and Alanis Morissette? Have an opinion about that. I'm being very instructive tonight. And <laughs> sure. then, uh, what did you make of the documentary? I uh, come into this uh, being, you know, obviously, you, you couldn't have possibly missed the phenomenon if you lived through the '90s. If you lived through the '90s, you know <laughs> um, the name Alanis Morissette. Yeah, um, I didn't. Uh, I don't come into this being a big fan of hers. I never was. Um, Obviously, uh, every song on Jagged Little Pill, you remember kind of like, it's like the soundtrack to a summer almost. Or yeah. Like, well, it was bigger for like a year. Yeah, about. right, right. Just about every song on that yeah, album. Yeah, it became like, a hit. Yeah. Or at least got some radio play on some level. Yeah. Um, I like parts of it more than I more than other parts as far as the actual album. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you Ought to Know came out, and I remember the first time I heard it, I, I was uh, walking into a friend's house, and uh, he, they were watching the video. And my friend said, you've just got to see this. Be- because he was impressed with just the emotion behind it. Yeah. And I find you ought to know a little aggressive, you know, for me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean. Aggressive is one you, accurate description. But you can't deny the emotion that's in the song. And also you can't deny the, you, you hit on something about it. You can't deny that even if you if it's not your bag, you can't deny that it has a novelty appeal. It's like, oh my God, you've got to hear this. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, definitely. You've got to hear on, for several it different reasons, sounds... you've got to hear what she's saying and how she's saying it. And it sounds unlike anything that was around then, even to this day. Right, yeah. Um, it's got its own style to it. Right. So um, 
that said, uh, I am a fan of of the '90s and 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 the, a little bit of the nostalgia involved in it. So I like the documentary quite a bit, even though it's kind of on somebody. It, the documentary is about somebody that I'm, you know, I'm not obsessed with or I, I don't uh-huh. particularly love, but I did like the documentary. I learned things that I didn't know. Um, you know, I like that it starts kind of f- focusing on her Canadian mall pop era, which you know I knew yes. existed, but uh, you know it's always fun to see those. To see her those blow dried hair circa nineteen ninety. Yeah, in, in like a like a denim skirt with a denim vest, you know, and <laughs> right trying to look like poofed up hair, you know. Debbie Gibson. Right? Yeah. They used to make fun there was a the show How I Met Your Mother used to kind of have a character that made fun of that. And I think it was uh-huh. kinda very much based on what Atlantis did back then. So um yeah, I, I like the documentary. Um I'm a sucker for uh concert footage anyway. You mm-hmm. know, I I can bands that I wouldn't give two shits about their recorded music, mm-hmm. I can enjoy them playing live often. Mm-hmm. Um, I just There's something about a live performance that just captures my imagination, mm-hmm. and I just it's just easy to enjoy. When yeah. you can feel the drums in your body, yeah. it's different than hearing it on a, on a recording. Yeah. Um, so... But the, that, some of the magic of, of that is in, in some... T- you know, if it's done well, a... a well done set of concert footage mm-hmm. can capture that sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, and this is a lot of this, there's particularly, I think like probably some 16 millimeter that somebody took that's been probably restored. Cause you, when they show it in the movie, you can see the edges. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it's been restored actually, you know, as, as wide as they can possibly get it. Right. To get as much of, of the picture. And I like that, that cleaned up. I thought was pretty, pretty cool footage. Some of the video, you know, doesn't look great. Because it's you're watching on a giant screen. And yeah, and, and it is it's uh, VH you know you know VHS, VHS quality. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. So, um, but it does give that feel, you know. Yeah. Of, of, of so yeah. Overall, I, I enjoyed the the movie um, pill. I you know we can get into that later. Uh, <laughs> I, I like or I, right now I like some of it more than I like other parts of it. Yeah. Um. I. Uh... I really love that album. Um, I did back when it came out, um, and uh, um, I had sort of forgotten about it, you know? I mean, since I have discovered a lot of music since then and uh, uh, um, and sort of rediscovered a lot of music even of that era, you know, like I, that I missed the first time through sure. like Radiohead. Um, that figures in it makes a cameo in this uh, in this movie. I But I but this movie is, is uh, right, right in my wheelhouse. Um, the... Uh, from the opening strains, right at the beginning, uh, they they play the guitar riff from "All I Really Want," and that's a song I haven't heard in twenty years, but I just adore. Right, and I'm like, oh, I forgot that song. I forgot about that song. Right? Yeah, as, as far as the tracks that were released as singles, that's the one you hear the least. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, and that's a that's uh, just a brilliant song. Um, so um, and I think anybody who uh, anybody who was born between 1965 and 1985 uh, should ought to revisit this album um, because uh, it might it might things might look different uh, than they did the last time you listened to this album. Alana sums it up per- perfectly in the documentary. She says that uh, jagged little pill um, was this person singing it was angry but merciful, um, and that the hope always comes through. And I think that uh, it's a um, one I think beginning li- sort of listen to beginning to end the uh, the album is wildly unpredictable it, it switches very quickly from from tone to tone and from emotion to emotion um she's a basket case in one song and then 
speaking with with this this deep wisdom in another song you know um and i think i think the whole thing just, uh holds together very well um it's reputation it's reputation as being a generally angry album i don't think is 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 fitting at all I right mean, i mean that's ba- the anger is is limited to just uh, uh, well i shouldn't say limited but there are a couple of really angry tracks uh, on there all, you want to know obviously being the, but the leader. you get away from those and, and really it's right. not at all right yeah. i mean there's the the the, he- the head over feet is a straightforward you know i'm in love song right yeah. um a couple others what's the songs uh, uh, uh one hand in my pocket is yeah well is, you know songs have a sweetness that you don't think you're going to get by seeing some of the right listening to some of the other ones right um, um my favorite tracks are probably Head Over Feet and uh, You Learn I've always kind of liked. Uh-huh, yeah. There's that section there that, uh, that middle section of like You Learn, Head Over Feet, Mary Jane, and Ironic. Mm-hmm. Although I still haven't forgiven her for the, right, lot, for let's, the, the misuse of the word ironic. But, yes, we, we've talked but, at uh, length <laughs> about this. First time through, you know, long, you know, but everybody's yeah. on the same page about that. So. <laughs> but it's a good story song. And if you can get past the my my argument was always that it sh- the, the song should have been called unfortunate. Yes, <laughs> isn't it unfortunate? It's an unfortunate coincidence. Doesn't work lyrically as well as ironic, but yeah. uh, um, <laughs> but anyway, that that's kind of the section of the of the the record that I kind of really get into. Yeah, um, yeah, like I said, uh, I my uh, I love the whole album. My first love though is is all I really want. Um, it, you know, you talk about irony. Is what's what's more ironic? actually ironic than screaming at the top of your lungs all i really want is some <laughs> comfort right <laughs> it's a great um um launch song for yeah an album yeah too, I mean. um and uh you know right that's a declaration of uh you know saying i'm a mess um and here here are my list of demands right <laughs> it's like ransom demands right um as for uh songs later uh hand in my pocket um there's, there's a line that i've always loved that uh I'm sad, but I'm laughing. I'm brave, but I'm chicken shit. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think is there is there a better slogan for Generation X? <laughs> well, that's true. Um, so uh, yeah, so I, I people I, at that I, age too. Yeah, and right, yeah, Generation X, particularly in 1995, right? Yeah. Speaking specifically of uh, you ought to know, um, I, I remember the first time I heard that song. Um, everybody makes a big deal out of the, you know. Do you believe you go down and he? Will he, she go down on you in the theater and, you know, uh, and so on, you know, are you, are you thinking of me when you fuck her? Right. Right. But, uh, I've always loved just the, the bridge. Um, does she know how you told me you'd hold me until you died till you died? Well, you're still alive. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, if you've ever had your heart broken, if you've been left by somebody who said they love you, I mean, let's, it takes, I mean, it takes great writers, an entire novel, to <laughs> to express something that you know that cleanly. I mean, that's real. Uh, that's real poetry, right there. You know. Uh, so uh, as for the uh, uh, the documentary, I thought the documentary was uh, very informative, very well put together. Um, I really like the uh, the interviews. The documentary is built around interviews with Alanis Morissette now, right? Right. Um, sort of looking back on her career, um, and uh, she is able to really. Uh, provide a whole lot of insight into uh, what she was going through at the time and what she has sort of learned uh, since then. You know, just the um, the idea that you can be sort of an unknown and then just get swept up in, in a kind of just tidal wave of fame and just, just the momentum that, that that album started to get. And, you know, you go from, 
you know, maybe being able, maybe not being able to get a gig to play, right. mm-hmm. to playing first in clubs, and all of a sudden overnight it's arenas, and then it's stadiums, and then it's these yeah. gigantic festivals. Right. You know, within a few months. Yeah. Just right. the fact you can just get plucked from obscurity to that is just always an amazing story. Yeah. And that can affect that affects everybody involved differently too. Do people can handle that? Some people can't handle right, it at so all. Right, right, right. And some people handle it quite well. Um, you know, she obviously didn't spiral into a world of right. Um, <laughs> she should, by you know, by any uh, uh, any calculation, I mean, she should be fodder for a Dr. Drew led you know reality show about you know how I used to be famous and now I'm on pills. <laughs> right. right? Um, but instead, she is now um, you know a mother and she records music when she wants to and uh, and she seems. Her outward face is well adjusted, but then again, her outward face has always been well adjusted. And then you get these very troubled songs, right? So, <laughs> um, so she's she can be a cipher, right? Yeah, um, I mean, everybody's got their therapy. That's that's the songwriting is is got to be part of hers. Oh, uh, yeah, obviously, yeah. One of the highlights from the uh, from the documentary for me was uh, so they're they're struggling, believe you know, they're struggling to get anybody to really kind of care about this at a commercial level, right? Um, and uh, so they take it directly to K Rock, um, the radio station in L.A. Right, and they play it for some people there, and uh, they play the the, the uh, I guess the station manager or the program manager at the time, you know, uh, uh, is in the documentary. She's talking about how you're hearing this, and they turn everything up to ten. So you know, you press play, and this song is like screaming at you right and she like immediately stood up and took the cd down the hall to the dj and said here uh put this in next hour right so um and uh who are these people that can hear uh you ought to know in 1995 and not think i know what to do with that and everybody's gonna love this right well because i mean this is you have uh, this is the culmination of a couple different trends. I mean, you have uh, grunge on the and the song is very much in the grunge, grungy sounding tradition, right? Um, and also that you know you have this this wave of Liz Fair and 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 Tori Amos and these increasingly sort of outwardly feminist and and uh, 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 singer songwriters. Two things on yeah. that. Um, I think you could argue whether Liz Fair and Tori Amos were commercially successful at that point. That's true. Um, certainly it's on a state, it's on a level that's beneath right, some other things. Yeah. Uh, we're kind of in this pre fair time yeah, still right. yet. Um, you know, they even mentioned in the thing that there was a K-Rock did not allow two female artists to be played right, back Right, right, right. So I, I think that that is kind of where a lot of this is, is lies. It lies in the, the industry's inability to know what to do with female artists yeah. and a reluctance to launch them. Mm-hmm. into the stratosphere like they could be launched. Right. I, I don't know if there was ever really a, a reluctance in the audience to accept female artists, uh-huh. but, you know, systematically yeah. I think that there was a bias against them. Yeah. Well, sure, sure. Um, um, I just, uh, yeah, I just don't know. Uh, I mean, if you have ears on your head, I don't, I don't think how it, you don't understand the commercial potential of that Well, <laughs> I, I don't know if I agree with you completely. I, I, I mm-hmm. think it's easy to see that it would have the, at least the potential of a Tori Amos or a Liz Fair. Okay seeing where it would go i mean come well on. i mean two yeah, or three things have maybe, ever gone that, that big right yeah maybe, I, I can yeah, understand I, that not, not, I'm not saying. but i mean i, I think i think it's e- definitely easy to see that it could, they could be successful as any female artist that existed at that time yeah well uh, like, like i said i mean you don't 
even if you don't like the song itself, it has this this novelty appeal um, that you know you've got to hear this right everybody's got to hear it at least once right and as it turns out um everybody heard it many more times on that because uh uh apparently by uh you know in the by the late 90s uh one in 10 people in the united states owned a copy of jagged little pill right so which is a pretty insane statistic yeah it sure is (laughs) (laughs) you know and, and legacy wise the doors that this opened up for other artists i mean right this is kind of she was kind of a contemporary of like a jewel mm-hmm. but um you know the dixie chicks come after this and yeah. sell a bajillion records and, and would that happen yeah. if this never happened i, yeah. I don't know and shania twain it's... comes after this right and, right and and all of those are a lot more plainly spoken um yeah uh, mixture of a very they... plain spoken and and uh vulnerable vulnerable emotionally vulnerable songs with catchy pop hooks yeah. and those those two things do and they both cross over from the, those two things cross over from the countryside mm-hmm. which is even a step probably more difficult you would think before something like this yeah 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 so i mean the legacy of it i don't think you can d- deny it all I mean, right it just it just changed the industry a, a little bit at mm-hmm. least yeah certainly yeah so a uh good uh very informative uh documentary um that uh it's entertaining to watch. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So before we leave discussion of the documentary, what do we? Let's talk about what we make of the the controversy over uh, over the film. Um, it opened in September to uh, to the film festivals. Um, that's the time to begin promote to promote it. Um, and Alanis has uh, disowned it since then. Um, she has uh, um, and, and refused to do any uh, press for it. Um, she has said that. Uh, she agreed to participate in the documentary and was interviewed for it, quote, during a very vulnerable time while experiencing both postpartum depression and the pandemic. I was lulled into a false sense of security and their salacious, the filmmaker's salacious agenda became apparent immediately upon my first seeing the cut of the film. Um, this is not the story I agreed to tell. Uh, what do you think of this? Do I, don't get, of this? I don't get it. Um, this, if anything, <laughs> it seems to me this documentary... Um, makes her seem like a superhero, right? It makes her seem like she's somebody who's both and a grounded real person. Yes, a grounded real person but also capable of these uh, of this uh, awesome creative output, right? Um and being being able to to deal with uh these really really ugly uh emotions, right? right to mine right. them to mine them for uh, to, uh for uh, great things, great art, right? I, I sort of don't know what to say about that, except <laughs> on on second viewing, I watched this. I, I watched this right before we uh, I, I came tonight. I think on second viewing, if you pay more attention to the early uh, to some of her early comments, um, she specifically uh, names producer Leslie Howe, okay, um, who uh, uh, was in charge of her in her early in her early days, right? right? Whenever she was uh, uh, you know a very young teenager. Um, and she talks explicitly about um, not having a lot of cover, right, uh, during this era, right? She's a, she wins this Canadian pop, you know, I guess like Canada Search or something, you know, Star Search for Canada, mm-hmm. Canadian people. And she goes on this, this world tour and she's having, uh, you know, lots of these crazy experiences and being, you know, hit on constantly by men. And anyway, um, all I can say is, you know, she, she outwardly in the documentary says that, uh, you know, she had, she dealt with a lot of the... You know, she had a lot of problems with the way she was treated during this time. She always told herself, well, that was consensual, though. And it wasn't until later that she realized, well, wait a second. I was 15. So yeah, it wasn't and she consensual. used the word statutory rape. Right. And she uses the word pedophile. Yeah. Right. Um, 
And uh, she also talks explicitly about how Leslie Howe sat her down and told her you need to lose weight at right. 15 and even starved her, right? Even forbid her from having food, right? Um, all of this, I think, uh, could be the seed of, <laughs> of a lawsuit, right? The question, I mean, in, in, in theory... The question yeah, is, mean, who has more money, Alanis Morissette or Leslie Howe? You should never have to fear a lawsuit if you're telling the truth, especially if you're the one with the bigger pocketbook. Well, right. I mean, uh, that's the thing. I, <laughs> I mean, if there were if they were equals, um, or if if this was somebody who had a lot of you know deep pockets, yeah, you would you might just in principle say, well, I'm not going to fight about that for five you know for five years. Well, and right. proving any kind of libel is super it's, difficult. Well, it's very hard. But but you if you. I mean, somebody like him might file suit just on principle, even if he knows he's going to lose, right? Yeah. And you still have to litigate it. You have to pay for it and everything. Nonetheless, but you sort of see. I mean, it's, you're kind of throwing well, money at nothing. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think it's just very unfortunate, though, uh, though, because <laughs> not ironic, unfortunate. Um, <laughs> I mean, you would think that the, you know, the woman who wrote, you took me for a joke, you took me for a child, you took a long, hard look at my ass, and then you played golf for a while, <laughs> would... Uh, be in it for the whole fight <laughs> yeah uh, it just it seems a little strange to me but uh maybe she's just way more uncomfortable talking about that stuff than, than we even know i mean yeah maybe i mean know. she does preface her comments in the documentary about how i never talk about this right when she starts to get into that um and and you know and we don't obviously there's so much we don't know right maybe yeah. it was promised to her that they were off the record there yeah maybe i mean that could be. I mean, she's she has said, in addition to the comments I read, she has said about how through editing they've kind of, you know, don't they always say this? The through editing has sort of changed the, uh, uh, the 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 context of things, right? Yeah, I um, mean, you know, you know, you're shooting, and all of a sudden, you know, maybe you're having a moment of just, you know, it's it, uh, yeah, you have an a, unguarded moment, yeah, unguarded moment, and uh, maybe you asked that it not be included or something, but yeah. legally they don't have you, they have the right to include everything you've said, so. Well, right. And I mean, in, in reference to, you know, you, uh, Jagged Little Pill was turned into a musical a few years ago. Right. And, uh, uh which sounds musical. stupider than it actually is. I, yes. <laughs> it sounds really, really dumb. It's a jukebox <laughs> musical. And they sort of wrote a, uh, 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 narrative around the, you know, to sort of intersect some of the songs from Jagged Little Pill. Uh, in reference to that, though, that deals ex- explicitly with, uh, with rape and sexual abuse. Right. And uh, Morissette at the time said, I've had this experience in my past and I'm not afraid about, uh, of talking about it now, right? So this is very disappointing. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> to be fair, I guess, even if you are up to that to that fight, mm-hmm. you do want to fight it on your own terms and, and you want to be fair point. ready to do it when you, when you just choose to do it, you know? Fair point. It even occurred to me watching this that maybe the, the, the so-called controversy was a publicity stunt. You know, well, um, which would also be disappointing. But. <laughs> that would be disappointing. <laughs> Not shocking, but disappointing. Yeah, right. Because, and we can, you know, stop beating this dead horse in a second. But I mean, anybody who has listened to Jagged Little Pill, it sort of comes across that you know maybe this is a woman who has been mistreated by men, by powerful men. <laughs> maybe <laughs> it, it, it I'm, I, I'm that. getting the subtext <laughs> that maybe she's been kicked, you know, chewed up and spit out by some powerful guys, right? Um, at a at a very young age, right? Um, so you would think, I don't know. Again, you would you would hope that she would. Uh, did take you, up the did you notice to to <laughs> to go back to the old Dave Coulier thing? Yes. Did you notice in should. this movie they talk about that? 
and they say, yeah, a lot of people think it's Dave Coulier, mm-hmm. but they never actually say it's not Dave Coulier. Oh, no, she never, <laughs> she, and she has never said it's not Dave Coulier, right? So, uh, yeah, well, let's, let's talk about that for well, a second. Well, that just leads me to believe it's Dave Coulier. It sure <laughs> does. <laughs> <laughs> so yes i i i yeah um and that's and isn't that weird i mean the angriest song of all time the angriest breakup song of all time kids was written in 1994 um about um dave coulier uncle uncle uh Uncle Joey. Uncle Joey yeah. from Family House. Cut from Fam- it out. <laughs> from, right, from Full House. <laughs> right, nut. Right. Um, yes, cut it out. So that guy um, sparked uh, the angriest love song or the angriest breakup song of all time. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. Um, <laughs> it has been alleged. So then again, uh, I was reading tonight that uh, Kevin Smith thinks one of her later songs is about him. Oh. It's it's much more. I, I mean, it's friendlier. It's a lot friendlier, <laughs> and it's not a heartbreak song. It's more like. Is oh, it we, called we "You can't... Cast Me as the Lord"? Because <laughs> I would think that's probably about her. <laughs> you cast me. Oh yeah, as right, the Lord. Yeah, right, right, yeah, she, right. She played God and Dogma, right? So, <laughs> so that yes, they have. Uh, and that's that's a way to ingratiate yourself, I guess, to uh, to any woman. Right, cast her in your movie as God. Right. <laughs> So yeah, I, I reckon I recommend the documentary. I definitely I, recommend. I think most this people who live through that time and have any kind of fondness for Alanis Morissette or the album or yeah. would get get something out of it. Yeah, I, I I really felt like I was from from again the opening strains of uh, of all I really want. I felt like I was kind of sucked back to a time where you know through a wormhole to that time. So well, if it's good enough to start an album, it's good enough to start a documentary on the album. That's true. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess that's going to do it for this bonus episode mm-hmm. of Cinema Spin. We'll be back uh, later on this week with a brand new episode of regular Cinema Spin. Yes. And it's going to be, um, the new movie is... Power of the Dog. Power of the Dog and the uh, retro movie, which we randomized on the last regular episode. Gross Point Point Blank. Blank. Yes. Goodbye and thanks for listening. Goodbye.